Many of us love a good mystery, don't we? Uh, those mystery novels that, that just leave you hanging at the end of the chapter that you just got to read one more. Or those mystery shows that have the cliffhanger right at the end that you got to wait now a whole week to see what happens. Unless you have Netflix, then you just hit watch next episode, right? You binge till two in the morning, right? We love, many of us love a good mystery. We love the intrigue of it. We, we love talking to our friends and saying, what do you think is going to happen next? And, and coming up with our theories about how it's going to turn out. And sometimes it does turn out the way you want it to, right? Sometimes you are not let down and, and it just, it, yeah, that's, that, that's a great ending. But other times, things don't go the way you think it's going to, right? You think, well, if I would have been writing that, I would have written that differently. I would have had it end and go this way. And sometimes we're just disappointed completely, right? You can probably think of a, a book or a, a movie or a show you've watched that, that you got to the end and you go, that's it? Right? They don't answer the plot lines, right? It just doesn't make sense. Nothing fits together. And it leaves you feeling frustrated, right? And thinking, well, it could be either bad writing or just, yeah, different expectations. And maybe that's what frustrates us a little bit about God. He's mysterious, isn't he? It's something we, we can't understand and comprehend. It, it's something that is hidden from us. And we want answers. We want it to, to have the answers we want, but often we don't get them, do we? Think about the many mysteries of God. Like how God can be eternal, right? How he's always existed. He has no beginning, no end. Or think about how God is present in all places at all times. I mean, how can that be? It, it makes no sense. It's mysterious to us, isn't it? Or how in the bread and wine of Lord's Supper, we receive the very body and blood of Jesus. That makes no sense. It's impossible to comprehend. And then, of course, the mystery we have before us today, how God can be triune. And that's exactly how the Bible describes him, right? I mean, it says that he is one, right? There is one God. Deuteronomy says, in Deuteronomy, Moses says, there, Hero Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one, right? And, and, and Paul talks about it in the New Testament too. In, in Romans, he says there's only one God. But yet, there are three distinct persons of God mentioned in the Bible. There's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit. And they're all God, equal in all things. And it's not that sometimes God is pretending to be the Father, and then he, sometimes he's a son, and sometimes he's a spirit, but they are three distinct persons and beings, and yet they're all God, and there's only one God. How can this be? I don't know. That's a question I, I often have to give <laughs> to kids in youth confirmation class, or to in Bible instruction class with those who are new to Christianity? The answer, I don't know. And then once in a while, I get the response or, or the look of, didn't you go to school for this? I mean, you, you, you learned the Bible, right? And, and you've learned how to teach the Bible and you don't know. And yes, the honest answer is you don't want my opinions, right? You want what God says and it, God doesn't tell us. Because what we're talking about, these things that we're describing, these mysteries of God are things that we're unable to comprehend. 
St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, uh, was, was at one time, he, he writes about how he was trying to ponder this, this mystery of the triune God, how we can be three persons in one God. He's just, he's just overwhelmed with trying to figure this out. And he's walking along the seashore, he writes. And as he's walking, he comes across the boy who's, who's dug a hole in the sand. And he's got a seashell in his hand. And he's going to the ocean and, and taking a scoop of water and going and putting it in the hole. And back and forth, back and forth. And finally, Augustine gets sick of watching him and he says, Boy, what are you doing? And the boy says, Well, I'm trying to put the ocean in the hole over there. And that's when it hit Augustine. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take the infinite God and place him in this finite mind. It's impossible. But friends, just because there are things that we don't understand about God, just because there are things that are beyond our comprehension that we cannot explain in human words or understand with human minds, it doesn't make them not true. If God says he's eternal, he's eternal. If God says he's omnipresent, present everywhere, at all times he is omnipresent. If God says that in this sacrament of that, that holy communion, Jesus' body and blood are present, they are. And if God says he's three persons and one God, he is. Do you remember Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld under President George W. Bush, you remember him from the early 2000s, I think it was, right? I'm going to read you a quote of his uh, that he said uh, in regards to Iraq and the, and the weapons of mass destruction. He wrote this. There are, or said this actually, there are known knowns. These are things that we know that we know. There are known unknowns. That is to say, there are things that we know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things that we don't know we don't know. He got ripped big time by the media. I think, well, you make no sense. But linguists broke down what he said, and, and, and they came out and said, it's completely straightforward, it's impeccable syntactically, semantically, logically, and rhetorically. Listen to it again. I'll slow down a little bit. There are known knowns. There are things we know that we know. Okay? There are known unknowns. That is to say, there are things that we know we don't know, but there are also the unknown unknowns. There are things that we don't know, we don't know. You getting it yet? All right, let me, let me apply it to God because it, it really fits with when we think about God. There are a lot of known unknowns we have about God, right? The fact that he's eternal, he's omnipresent, he's, he's um, triune, right? These are known unknowns, right? We know them, but we don't know them. <laughs> There's also a lot of unknown unknowns about God. There are so many things that we don't even know about God that are unknown to us, that he doesn't reveal to us. But then there's also the known knowns, the things that we do know about God, because he tells us. And that's what we have before us in our gospel lesson appointed for this Holy Trinity Sunday. We have known knowns. We have promises from Jesus about who our God is and what he does for us. Uh, so our, our gospel lesson is the, is the last verses of the gospel of Matthew from Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read those for you. 
It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So popular, or contrary to popular belief, Jesus did not say these words at his ascension. Jesus ascended on a hill outside of Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem. Here, they're in Galilee, 30 miles north. Okay, so this is not at his ascension. But it is sometime in between his resurrection and ascension, no doubt about it. Right? And, and Jesus tells his 11 disciples, remember what happened to Judas, the 12th, he tells the 11 to go up to Galilee, and they're going to spend some time together. And here we have three sentences of what he said. Now, is this all he said to them? Right? Did they travel all that way to Galilee to spend some time together for three things? Probably not. There was probably more that Jesus said, but if this was it, that'd be enough. No doubt about it. We're going to break it down in just a little bit. But, but look what happened. They worship him. Right? Because there are some known knowns that these disciples have seen. Things that they know. Right? They, they, they saw Jesus die, and now they see him alive. They, they believe that he is the Messiah, the one that was promised to come to rescue them. And they're filled with joy, and they're filled with hope, right? But they also have some known unknowns, don't they? Jesus has talked about going away. And what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Who's going to help them? Are they in danger? Right? There's a lot of known unknowns. It says here in our lesson that they worshipped him, but there were some who doubted. They had doubts. They had fears about the future. These known unknowns. And so Jesus speaks these promises to them. And he speaks them to you, his disciples today. He gives these wonderful promises. Three things in these three sentences that he speaks. These words of promise. He talks about power. He talks about purpose. And he talks about his presence. And so first, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about this. This is the man that they've seen live a very humble life with not even a place to lay his head to call his own. No home to speak of. No personal belongings. They saw him be brutally mistreated, unjustly, suffering, dying, right? But now, he, here he is saying, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. It's mine. Right? And, and what Jesus means here when he says all authority, the, the picture language here in the original is, is the possessions that he has, what belongs to him, what he owns, what is at his disposal for his use, and it's everything. He has all authority, not just some, not just sometimes, not just over some things and some people, but all authority in heaven and on earth, it's his. It's been given to him by his heavenly father. Think about what that means for these disciples who are hearing these words. 
they have these known unknowns about what's going to happen. Right, Jesus, you're talking about leaving and what's going to happen to us? What are we going to do? What, we're, we're afraid. And he says, I have all authority. And think about what this promise means for you, dear Christians. As you live in a world that seems so chaotic and out of control, in a world that is so hurting and so broken, in a world that is filled with so much hatred and pain and violence, sickness and death. Jesus says, I have authority over all of it. I have authority over Satan who comes to tempt you because I crushed his head. I have all authority over death because I walked out of the tomb on my own two feet. I have authority over every other authority on this earth. All authority is mine. Jesus promises you that he has power for you, for his believers, for his church, for his kingdom. That's no mystery. Jesus tells us very clearly who is in control of everything. He is. That, friends, for you is a known known, isn't it? There's no mystery there. And he has all power to comfort us, to assure us, but then also to equip us. Because the second thing he talks about that he gives to us is purpose. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus gives his first disciples and all of his disciples from then on a purpose in this life, a purpose that matters for eternal life. And friends, that's why we're here, right? It's why we have this property and this building. It's why we have a church. Because Jesus gives us this command to go. That as disciples, our job, our duty, our privilege, our responsibility, our purpose is to go and make more disciples of Jesus. And there's two ways Jesus says we do that. Only two ways he says you do that. It's by baptizing. In the name of the triune God. That is, a new believer is brought to the waters of their baptism. They are claimed by him. They are made his very own. They become part of his family. And they have all the blessings of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as he puts his name on them in water through that word. Baptized into the family of the triune God. Claimed to be his own. Rescued from the clutches of Satan and sin and the punishment of hell and made God's child forgiven and loved in his forever. And then, along with baptism, Jesus says, you make disciples by teaching everything that he has commanded us. Not just what's popular in society, but to teach everything that Jesus has commanded, both law and gospel. He says, this is how you make disciples. And this is your purpose. This is your purpose as a church to baptize and to teach. This is your purpose as individuals too. That in your marriages and with your children and with your grandchildren and with your neighbors and with your friends and with your coworkers and with the strangers, your goal 
Your purpose in life as a disciple of Jesus is to make more disciples of Jesus. Friends, you have been given purpose by your triune God. Your life has eternal value. Your life has meaning. And in case you're not sure, in case you're thinking, well, how do I do this? In case you think, I'm, just, I'm afraid, I, I, I have doubts, how do, how do I go and be a disciple to make more disciples? Well, Jesus follows up with one more promise. In addition to his power, in addition to the purpose he gives you, it comforts you with his abiding presence. He says, and surely, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There is the comfort of in, 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 in power in the, in the ascension, isn't it? That the fact that Jesus has ascended back to heaven means that he can be with his people all the time, everywhere. That Jesus is always with you, no matter what you're going through. He says, surely, without a doubt, truly, this is a true statement, I am with you always to the end of the age, which means until I come back or until I come back to take you to be with me. Until at the end of your time on this earth, I am with you. Period. No doubt. He's with you in your fears and your failures. He's with you in your sadness and your sickness. He's with you in temptation and the tempest. He's with you, and He's there to sympathize with you in your weaknesses to strengthen you when you're weak, to forgive you when you fail, to encourage you when you are discouraged, to set your sights back on heaven when you are overwhelmed with guilt, to give you courage to go and be who he's called you to be. Friends, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't know about God. There's a lot of known unknowns. I, I know. Sometimes I wish I knew more. <laughs> there are things that God just can't put into human words for us to be able to understand about him. But friends, he does tell us exactly what we do need. What we need to know. He gives us these known knowns. That he has all power. That we do have a purpose in this life, a great, grand, eternal purpose, and that He is present with us always. These are known knowns that we hold on to in the face of all the known unknowns of this life. And there are many, aren't there? I mean, you look at our world today, the, the world that we live in, you look at your life and you, you think about, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds, much less next, last, next 30 minutes or 30 years. Right, you look at the state of our world today and how many known unknowns are there. But you have exactly what you need to know. Your God's power for you. Your God's purpose for you. Your God's presence with you. And so to all those known unknowns and all those unknown unknowns about God, we can say that we can let those be. Because honestly... I don't want a God who I can comprehend. <laughs> I don't want to worship a God who I can figure out. <laughs> I, 
I want a God who is beyond my comprehension. A God who I cannot figure out with this finite mind. A God who is eternal and almighty and omnipresent. That's the kind of God I want. But also a God who loves me dearly and forgives me all my sins and tells me that I belong to him now and forever and that he's ruling all things for my good and that I have a home in heaven waiting for me all through the work of Jesus and that until then he will be with me until I get to be with him. Friends, that's no mystery. Your God loves you. You belong to him. Your triune God continues to come and to fill you with his blessings with, and remind you of his power and your purpose and his presence. May your triune God continue to grant that to you. Amen.